Hello, humans, and welcome hey. to Audio Face. This is an irreverent podcast about the music news and music culture that mostly matters. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. This is episode 259 of this fine podcast slash turned into a live stream type thing that I never promote, um, but I will start promoting um, later in the year. It's it, it's interesting being the person who single-handedly edits and publishes and produces for an entire network. Um, thankfully, that will not be the case for too much longer, but um, yeah, God. the inconsistency with all these things is because of um, a one-man show. Definitely not a one-man show, because like, Sean, oh, yeah. Sean and the people behind the Audio Face team saved my ass so much in producing all this stuff. So I don't want to even for a moment, even accidentally, sort of um, implicate that it's a one-man show. But um... Thimically understaffed. <laughs> oh, that's... A... Like, um... Ah. Like most things in America, that's extremely true. <laughs> yeah, so clinically understaffed. Extremely understaffed, yeah. Um... But yeah, we've got a really exciting set of music to talk to y'all about. We've got albums for y'all. The albums we have are Quest for Fire by Skrillex and also another double album because uh, uh, Skrillex did like a double album uh, because that rocks. And then Desire, I Want to Turn Into You by Caroline Polachek and um, also Desire Pathway by Screaming Screaming Females. So that makes um, a lot of desires, you know, we're having here. Um, we also have a number of singles we'll be talking to him about in a moment. Mm-hmm. And then lately on audio face, like old heads will know we used to do a, like a lot of news, but lately we're trying to focus on like the news that again, mostly matters to do the name face of the show. And <laughs> we've got a good one because Chris Brown is beefing with Blueface mm. over who is the biggest wife beater. <laughs> it's a straight up wife beater competition. <laughs> Like, it's brilliant. This I is, love it. This is the most audio face rap beef to ever happen. Literally, this is like one of my favorite rap. I told Sean this. This is one of my favorite rap beefs to ever happen during the now six plus year history of the show. <laughs> I am. We've had a lot of rap beefs. My favorite a- still is Pusha T and Drake because <laughs> brilliant. But I, I mean, that will go down in history just because he's like, hey, Drake, you got a kid. This is hey, at least. Court. I mean,. We have runway to go here, but this is at least second best. I will still contend that that's the best rap beef so far because that concluded and that has a complete story arc. But it has an arc and everything. Still, we're, yeah. yeah, we're still in this, and this is second place already. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking about Chris Brown versus Blueface <laughs> on Cancel Culture. <laughs> I fucking love what this the podcast. Fuck is cancel Culture. And then... um. In elsewhere in the news, we'll be talking about a number of different things, including um, who is the most paid entertainer in all of music, because there's a lot of well-paid entertainers, but the ones in music are, you know, definitely a little shy compared to what they should be. Um, some <laughs> updates on some lawsuits. In fact, we have a little bit of a legal corner up in Quick Hits. <laughs> um, and then a little bit of a, you know remembrance of some of the great artists we do we this is a really good all-around audio face episode we're doing everything what we're doing we have a little bit of news we have a lot of music including some new singles we'll be talking about in like 15 seconds from now but we also have a lot of um news stories and stuff that will help us kind of like dissect culture from a musical perspective and will also help us um oh damn that's a 
That's a new thing. Oh, yeah, but it will also help us um, kind of like break down this culture that we're living in. So anyways, we're going to start now. And the first song we have is Heaven by Niall Horan, who Sean actually introduced me to on this very podcast, who's definitely like, you yep. know, like a pop crooner type person. Um, oh, yeah. One of the, one of the directioners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the many directions. And, um... Beyond infatuation, how I obsessively adore you. That's what I do. I believe, I believe, I can die in your kiss. No, it doesn't get, doesn't get better than this. Definitely one of the ones that we've been following a little bit more to be able to see that like, oh no, this artist, even though they kind of came up in a pop band, like a lot of musicians just like come up however the way they're going to come up. And um, they are able to transcend the stereotypes that surround their traditional art or the traditional way they come up and just be able to prove, and they have been able to prove themselves as really um you know, uh, talented artists. And Niall Horan's definitely one of those. Um, he's got his new track, Heaven, that just got released. Sean, what are your thoughts? I thought it was pretty pretty decent. Um, I mean, it's, it's a decent pop track. I mean, he really has solidified the sound that he likes to make. Um, I mean, it's... I wouldn't say it's necessarily a continuation of, like, Heartbreak Brothers sound. It's a little bit more refined in that way, a little bit stripped back with the production-wise. But it's good. It's a gen- a, a decent pop song for what it is. So um, I think it's be releasing an album later this year, from what I know. Um, so we'll definitely let, keep you in the loop with that. But, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a really, like, fun, poppy track. Niall Horan has definitely surprised me because, yeah, I was... Not in the demographic. <laughs> I don't th- I'm not sure if neither of us were in the demographic for like any of the One Directioners. Like we knew that they existed, but definitely not that um they were individually or collectively capable of music that transcends that sort of market that they were seeking. But um Heaven by Niall Horan is another continuation in a number of different songs that he has made that really proves the uh curmudgeons like myself at least yeah. very wrong. Yeah, well, him and Harry Styles are genuinely good musicians. Absolutely. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and never mind the um, Grammys kerfuffle that went on with Harry Styles. I think I, 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 I absolve you of your mediocrity. <laughs> I absolve you of your mediocrity. I absolve you. Thank you for my f- favorite film. I, I, I knew you would love that. We should definitely do another. Um, we should do. Again, I want to do like an audio face pivot into doing special episodes about film and TV because like that's something we've been trying to do for a while as long as it's like decently musically related. And I would totally be down to do, I mean, like a Sopranos watch through is too much time. So is The Wire. But like Daniel Day-Lewis movies where you have some Johnny Greenwood production or like even when you don't, when you have like the subject these times. Like our straight up Amadeus, like Amadeus you have. And then that does itself. Yeah, exactly. So, um, there's a lot of films I'd love to do that. So let's let's do it. I'm down. Yeah, we'll, we'll um <laughs> more on that in at least the second half of this year, um, <laughs> when we unleash the other things that we've got excited for y'all. Anyways, uh, next up we also have Glue Song by Biba Doobie, another Sean uh recommendation. This is Sean new single, honestly. I know, right? Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this Glue song is one of the first Biba Doobie tracks we've heard since her last record, which we both really loved. I mean, Bibiotopia, yeah, Bibiotopia yeah, Bibiotopia, yeah. We got Biba Doobie Bossa Nova in that. Like, we got a lot <laughs> of range from this individual indie artist, and it really made us like. I mean, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Uh, Sean brought up Biba Doobie. He led the Biba Doobie bonus episode that you can check out in the yep. Audio Face member archives at join.syndicate23.co to support what we're doing here. But um, you, yeah, Sean, you brought up Biba Doobie and you've been like really advocating for her as like, this is a really smart artist that's like really within the Audio Face repertoire of um, who is pushing music forward. And with Beatopia, she definitely did that um but you know it, the demanding assholes that we are we still wanted a little bit more creativity and wanted to make sure that she was still able to push herself forward uh do you feel that she yeah. has done that with glue song which was like a valentine's day release yeah i think it's like a fun little one-off track um but i like how it's it reminds me of a brief inquiry from the 1975 that sound where it has a lot of horns in the background um, where it's so like a, a song you'd hear in a cafe, right? Like you're sipping on a cappuccino, kind of chilling. It's all nice outside, and you hear this. I, I like it because it's not like stuff that she it says she's made before in that way, with at least some of the instrumentation throughout the song. But it, yeah, I think I was. I'm always worried with Beauty to Be because I'm, I'm, you know, when when it's artists I really like, I'm always holding my breath of like, is this going to be the bad one? Is this going to be the bad one? And she keeps proving, like, she keeps like pro proving me wrong in that regard. And even with little one-off tracks like this, she, she's still pushing herself forward. So I like Luzon. I think it's good. Oh no, I really liked it, and I felt that yeah, she was pushing herself forward in that. Definitely, folks should check out Glue Song by Biba Doobie if they have not already. And then. Um, we also have another indie favorite. This is both Sean and I's favorite. We both brought this onto the podcast. So, yeah, we um, didn't. Yeah. But um, Men I Trust's new single, Ring of Past, is like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say return to form because they never left, but like, this is a very tried and true, like, Men I Trust style track where like they're doing indie in their own corner and they are pushing it to the most successful way they possibly can like i really have no complaints about this track it's really like this good. is straight like mix mix of 2020s indie with 70s funk the uh, the cover for this the single cover where it's people roller skating because that is absolutely the theme of this song like it sounds like you're at the roller rink just skating backwards doing some fun shit yeah that's exactly what this sounds like I love the bass line of this song too so it's great yeah that bass line is sensational I love the um, again it's maybe just Sean and I's bias having um roller rank experiences in our background but um yeah it's it's a really solid track and hopefully indicative of what men i trust has coming down the pipe 
Yeah. And lastly, we have A&W by Lana Del Rey, the second track released as a single from Lana Del Rey. But of course, we don't care because this is audio face. The audio face rule is that we already reviewed uh, one of the first early Lana Del Rey singles from this mm -hmm. new kind of like rollout project. And, you know, every once in a while, we love to remind you of one of the many audio face rules, which is that if we reviewed one single, then we will stop we will wait as best as we can until we can hear the entire album because too often have we had um the entire album of an artist coming out spoiled by their singles rollout so we don't want to do that we don't want to mimic that and so because we already reviewed i believe did you know there's a tunnel under ocean boulevard <laughs> I, I almost remember we talked about that because we had a lot of takes about that yeah. being la locals um we are going to leave the rest of our judgment of the lana del rey record to the lana del rey record itself and we're not going to indulge the new singles even though i yeah. definitely want to um even as a lana del rey hater uh but again we will wait until the album comes out and then we will decide if dan is still a hater or not so yeah yeah, those are the new singles. Thank you very much. Uh, please listen to Heaven by Niall Horan, Glue Song by Biba Doobie, and Ring of Past by Men, of, I, Men I Trust. Um, all very good songs. And, you know, perhaps A&W by Lana Del Rey. Maybe it's a good song. Maybe it's a bad song. We don't know. We'll talk about it when we review Lana Del Rey's eventual album later this year. Mm -hmm. Audio Face is accepting new advertising opportunities. So email info at syndicate23.co. There's a couple of people I need to get, like, get back to. I need to figure out if y'all spam or not. So like, um, um, please email there and we'll figure out if like opp advertising opportunities make sense. If you want to avoid all these advertising opportunities, you can uh, support Syndicate 23 and what we're doing by going to join.syndicate23.co. Um, by the time this comes out, maybe some people will have seen my like grand sort of like democracy now is one of the few leftist institutions the young turks as flawed as it is and as flawed democracy now is is one of the few leftist institutions like we need to create more leftist um modern media institutions to uh yeah just like protect the ideology and like keep the streets real and like keep that uh, voice to the public right. so please support syndicate 23 if you are not already it will help us grow and um reach that ultimate vision of like changing political discourse one leg at a time so yeah uh content.syndicate23.co or join.syndicate23.co one or both of those work to join and become a part of all the stuff Power Report Live. I'm actually going to be releasing a pre-recorded Power Report episode with um, a TikToker that I work um, or like have seen a lot of his work and I really appreciate it. He is working a lot with the uh, people who are most affected in East Palestine, Ohio by the train crashes and collapses that have been happening. And so we did an episode with him. We'll be releasing that very soon. Um, check out powerreport.world or youtube.com slash Dan from the internet for those things. Um, and that's part of the Syndicate 23 network that you can support and also view the archives of, again, join.syndicate23.co um, or content.syndicate23.co. Um, and then thank you to the AudioFace team who makes this all happen, who helps support this. Um, Austin and Kyle, who help with the pre- and post-production. And then um, Peter, who helps master this episode and makes it sound as nice as possible for the podcast and video uh, VOD audience. Uh, check out PJS, at PJS Mixed It on Insta for any of your podcast or music editing or mastering needs to make it sound nice and spicy. Um, 
in old town <laughs> old town audio face uh we would usually devote this moment to upcoming albums that are coming up that should justify why you should continue listening to the show um i'm not even gonna go into them because march is a whopper march is gonna have so many fucking awesome albums that sean and i are gonna love to review and so hopefully you will continue watching and um supporting us as we are doing that um in all the ways we're doing that so definitely check us out there and with that <laughs> are you ready sean let's do it we are going to go into a you know a fan favorite popular segment that we haven't done in too long but um definitely this calls for it so folks we've got rap beef Rap beef, nigga. Punk ass move. Jerry Dude. Nigga, two fingers. Nigga, stomp in the nuts. I'ma stomp him in the nuts. Stomp him in the nuts. I'ma stomp him in the nuts. Rap beef. Yes. So, <laughs> we haven't had a good one of these in a minute, and boy, let me tell you who we got a good one of these, sir. So, um, today on Rap Beef. We have Chris Brown versus Blueface. Now, you might be wondering, why are Chris Brown and Blueface potentially beefing? Well, let me tell you why. It's because uh, <laughs> Chris Brown feels that he has been mistreated by the media and a lot of other figures because, you know, he <laughs> beat the dog crap out of Rihanna like 10 years ago and, you know, time exists. <laughs> That, again, like I am not condoning any of Chris. I'm doing the direct opposite of condoning Chris Brown's re, like actions here, but I am just saying that like if this is his response. Like, hey, in defense of Chris Brown, hypothetically, I was a violent piece of shit ten years ago, and so rather than people going, okay, this is your past, I. I'll, I'll put it clear right now. Like, I think most people should be able to, and I think in a lot of cancel culture discourse, this is missed, honestly, but like, I think people should have the space to be able to forgive those who honestly show the effort towards reconciling their behavior and reconciling their actions. Like, if there are musicians or artists or you know comedians or like whatever the hell who have been cancer canceled because of their previous um misgressions <laughs> to put it in the lightest term possible like i am totally fine for any of those people hi coral i'm totally fine for any of those people to uh repair the harm that they have caused out in the world but they have to show that and they have to show that they are being genuine in that and not just doing it for the end goal of being able to like book tours and concerts again right like that's right. Th that's the thing that always hits with me i don't know but it's the same with you but like i can tell the exact difference between me willing to give someone some slack and me not willing to give someone some slack based on the level of remorse they're able to have for their actions. Because a lot of people are like, yo, time passed. I did nothing else, but time has passed. Therefore, I should be safe. And I, I think that's where Chris Brown is ultimately coming from here before we get into like the meat and potatoes of the story, is that a lot of the work Chris... Like, that's the thing. Chris Brown hasn't done a lot of 
you know, like visible work. Yeah, he hasn't done visible work, at least in my opinion, to show that not only does he regret beating the dog shit out of Rihanna, as we always say on this podcast, and like not to joke about that, but like it's it's a serious thing that a lot of people just completely miss and forget. But also, we're more likely to forgive you of that if definitely A, the person involved has shown a level of forgiveness, which Rihanna has shown to some extent, but B, that there is some remorse to that behavior, which is something that I've never seen from Chris Brown. Chris Brown has always been like, okay, I did it and I said, sorry. I'm sorry if you were offended, (laughs) which is like the key bad apology kind of phrase here. And so, um. It, to, to go through it like in 10 or 15 seconds like chris brown and chloe bailey of chloe and hallie had done a song together and people were criticizing honestly less so chris brown but more um chloe bailey for collaborating with chris brown and uh you know <laughs> you know sharing her like platform with her and like whatever goodwill people have with Cla- chloe bailey now has to be like associated with chris brown so a lot of people were set up that that chris brown responded in a warpath saying mm-hmm. um let's see i i gotta see um he said i'm kind of getting tired of your broken promises promises and I'm spelling it P-R-O-M-T-I-T-H-I-S. So promises yeah. is the best way I can say it. Um, sick, as in like this is the way he spelled it. Um, I am getting s- tired of your broken promises. Promises. Of your broken promises. Promises? That, that was his quote. I am getting tired of your broken promises of your broken promises, promises. So he might've been a little bit, uh, you know, lost in the sauce there a little bit. Um, But he said on his Instagram story, obviously you're at a point in your life where you're either broke or broken. The fact that you have to speak negatively about me makes you look so lame, your life and career must suck right now. He continued by saying, minding your business would have been best but I guess you don't have a business <laughs> or a real job that makes you financially stable. I feel more embarrassed for you and your actual maturity. Um, she shared another meme of um, Williams, who was uh, Kylie Williams, who was one of the Cheetah Girls, who um, accused him of being a woman abuser. Of course, the Cheetah Girls is like one of the people that um, um, have been like prominent in the music space, at least in the 2000s. And yep. he continued by saying... Um, <laughs> she showed a video of Williams dancing and he, Chris Brown wrote over it, whack as fuck, choo-choo Miss Amtrak, which is implying a lot of things about her <laughs> past relationships that I'm not going to touch on this podcast. <laughs> and I see you, Sean. And we're both like, oh, oh, <laughs> Yeah, so um I already noted I sorry, I, I play bad play bad business by 21 Savage. <laughs> I've already nominated Chris Brown for the Noted Little Bitch Award. So like oh, I absolutely. can't I can't do much here, honestly. I'm just like I mean we could just we can add to the Noted Little Bitch. That's the we thing. can, it's yeah. Like, 
like it's like you just add to the charges, you know? It's like aggravated assault in the second degree, <laughs> attempted robbery in the f- and just just keep adding to it, you know? That's how another little bitch works, you know? It's it's not just one thing, it's an accumulative. I mean, Tim Pool had an accumulative list, so yeah, I Chris Brown's definitely easier because he is a musician, but just the fact that he so I, I gotta also get to this and part of his re- and part of Chris Brown's like reaction to all of this that was happening, he was pointing out how wow I am he tried to play this card, which I as a black person can say he tried to play this card and it was fucking bullshit. All right, so. He tried to say, this is unfair because I, as a black man who have abused women before am being mistreated compared to the other white people who have abused men before. And like the idiot gallery of um, like white men he's talking about is kind of ridiculous. Like, I think he brought up like, um, <sighs> he's bring like. The point in this was like he's bringing up like the oldest dudes possible, right? Like he's like, um, yeah, right, yeah. Let me see if I have this, but like he was bringing up um, like Mel Gibson and like a bunch of mm. other like white, like sure, yeah, they, well, they are absolutely abus- abusers. I'm not gonna like discredit that, but like these are people who are mostly irrelevant from like pop culture currently. So like, again, Sean, I'll let you speak here, but like. If Chris Brown is trying to make the argument that he is getting unfair treatment compared to other people who have been, I'll say other white people who have been, you know, who have had transgressions in the public, I I, I don't get it because all the white people he's talking about, like, have been properly ostracized for their actions. Like, 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 these people don't have careers. Yeah, exactly. But people are still doing music with you when you beat the dog shit out of Rihanna. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about it, dude. Like, sorry, I don't care who you are. If you do that, it's game over. So, and the fact that it's just, he's just trying to play a pity card and stuff. And he looks really weak doing it. It's hilarious as well to the fact that he does that. But yeah, and then, and then Blueface gets, gets fun with it. Yeah, I, I'm going to get to the blue face thing in a moment. But yeah, he drops a bunch of, like, white celebrities who have, like, been accused of, you know, abusing people. And I think the annoying thing is about that is that, like, yeah, this po- – like, again, this podcast needs to grow because – if Chris Brown were responding to Audio Face, he wouldn't be able to say that, like, oh, y'all are okay with this person, or y'all are okay with that person, and, like, Chris Brown's trying to make it a racial thing, like, as though music media is biased towards white people, and, like, okay, sure, a lot of media in general uh, is, like, is. That, that's a broad yeah. thing, sure, but, like, even in these examples, like I don't think like Mel Gibson and a lot of other like white folks you've mentioned. Like, I mean, you could say Marilyn Manson is another one, but like he's yeah, right? just a lot of shit, right? Yeah, like I mean, Marilyn Manson I mean, look- and Chris Brown get booked around the same amount, which is to say, like more than they should be considering their past and their history. But like, this, that's the fucking point. They still have a crowd and they still have an audience. Like, 
again, not to make this too power report or Dan from the internet, but cancel culture doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing I've been screaming from the rooftops for the past, like, three or four years, that cancel culture does not exist except to perpetuate a right-wing media ecosystem. And so, like... Yeah. I, I sensed Sean this the other day of like a woman who was parodying like it sounds like if you didn't understand it properly like she was really defending Louis C.K. But she was like, I can't believe that we are canceling all of these comedians for just saying what they said. Yeah, they did bad things in the past. Like, but she's doing this TikTok behind a Broadway, New York City, Manhattan billboard of Louis C.K. selling out one of his shows in the year of our Lord 2023 and saying like, I think it's really unfair that comedians are getting canceled. Cancel culture doesn't exist. <laughs> All right. If it like, was, we wouldn't have gotten fucking MSG. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like Louis CK is chilling today. And maybe you think that's fine. Maybe you think that's not. Honestly, I'm not going to debate that right now. Cause I think it's pretty clear where I stand from the internet stand on a lot of these things. But like, if cancel culture existed, Louis C.K. would not be on billboards. Louis C.K. would not be on billboards and be able to advertise that he has sold out shows in New York City. All right? So if cancel culture exists for, like, smaller people, I'm willing to concede that. But again, it's on behalf of the tech companies, and it mostly impacts the left. But yeah. if there were – if cancel culture – as a term, as a phrase, as an idea didn't exist, then right-wingers would not have much to talk about and they would lose money very quickly. And then bring it back mm -hmm. to music with Chris Brown, like it's because right-wingers have created the space for grievance to cancel culture, they have created the space for actual abusers like Chris Brown to be able to justify their past behaviors and say, listen, why are you still talking about this? This was so long ago. This was so fine. When, like, honestly, I will say it. Like, I am willing to give Chris Brown an apology, just like in the same way I'm willing to give um, – who's that, like, short black comedian who's, like, literally, like, a, a short person, like – I forget Kevin Hart, right? Like, I'm Kevin Hart said some shit that was like cancelable a while ago, right? Um, and he constantly complains that people are still bringing this shit up. People would not bring it up if you showed reparative justice, if you showed that you have actually learned a fucking single thing from the reason why people were upset. And the re uh, I'm sorry, Sean, can put you in this position, but like I'm ranting here. The reason Chris Brown has not been accepted, and the reason people are still pissed with Chris Brown, is because more than the fact that he he has shown resentment for the actions that he did that were made public, never mind the actions that he might have done that are private. But the fact that he's like, okay, I admitted it. Rihanna says she's okay with it. Fucking let me move on. As opposed to him saying, I am a better person. Because we see no fucking yeah. growth here. We see no, we don't see that this person saw what he did and saw that it was wrong. And saw that it was like, oh, I should change my behavior. Instead, we see someone who was like, damn, shit has passed. So, like, you should just forgive me regardless of what I've done. Which is a fucking pathetic analysis of culture and media and how it goes on sorry for ranting
Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's the thing. It's just he's not learning from his actions, his behavior. So, yeah, I I just wish he would. I mean, I don't care personally. Like, he can do whatever he wants to. But again, I would accept Chris Brown a lot more if he showed remorse and like what I did was fucked up. And I won't want to do it again. Instead, what he did was saying, hey, look, look at Blueface. I'm sorry for taking so long to get to this. But like, hey, look at Blueface. He's beating the dog shit out of Christian Rock, his girlfriend. And by the way, Christian Rock is beating the dog shit out of Blueface. I was say, it's Christian Rock is also beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know what videos you, you, all, you all have been watching, but she's... Listen, on... Sean and I how Sean and I contain this bullshit to our like group chat to produce the show. But like there's so many Christian rock stories of like, damn, Christian rock can bench more than Blueface. <laughs> like, there's so many stories that we just don't do. Cause like we're not DJ academics. We're not bloggers right. who like make our entire beef off of like just talking shit about celebrities and trying to start shit to like get our own bread. Like I Again, thankfully, we both get our own bread elsewhere, so we don't have these, like, perverse incentives that the media kind of, like, presents to content creators, right? So, like, we're able to do this from a much better perspective than folks like mm-hmm. DJ Academics who are fucking bullshitting all the time. But, like... Right. <laughs> I- I'll play this in the clip, um, in the podcast version, but the way... <laughs> This is the realest I've ever seen Blueface. Like, Blueface dropped character. <laughs> like, he was actually like, hey, man, listen, I know I got a fucked up life, but, like, you play the cards you're dealt, and you, you're playing, <laughs> like, you keep trying to play cards that you don't have. <laughs> so, like... I get it, you know, bitch hit me. It's funny, I hit her back, it's fuck Blueface, so I totally get it. That would be the most irritating thing ever. But you got to play the cards that you was dealt. You want some, but they did it too. Why aren't you guys telling them anything type shit? And it's like, bro, life don't work like that, man. You know, if we all go do a crime together, we're not all going to get the same time together. You hear me? You might get the most amount of time. We might not all say nothing, but we all went and did the crime, so we got to take the time. You hear me? You want some. You guys are going to give me the most time, but they did it too. Like, judge, sentence. Got nothing to do with that, bro. I mean, like, handle your candle, deal with your situation, how you deal with it. Only thing I disagree with is you posting all these random white people and and me and the bitch and trying to, like, distract from your thing. You feel me? Like, you gotta stand on it, care. Like, if you beat the bitch up, shit, you beat the bitch up. Like, (laughs) oh, God. Like, you scared to, like. Yeah, like, I get it, you want some R&B, you don't want to be seen as R&B, but I don't got it. You beat the Yaki, you got to, hey, I beat my bitch up, man. I, I ain't finna come on here and be like, well, Chris Brown did it 16 years ago, and and you guys let him still, like, perform at the BET Awards, and uh, I'm going to sound like a, like a square guy. That's what I'm going to sound like. My last opinion is, God, you beat up the wrong bitch. Yeah. You got you got a bad judge, like you feel me? We didn't all get the same judge, Kevin God. I got a bitch, you feel me? She gonna fight back, so I'm gonna get less time, you hear me? You be you beat up a <laughs> Yeah, you beat up the wrong bitch. You beat up the bitch that just performed at the Super Bowl, nigga. Like 
I'm sorry. It's weird. I, I I I was trying to not do this segment without saying the phrase in defense of Blueface. Blue face, but here yeah. I am going in defense of Blueface. Like I think what Blueface does and what Christian Rock does and what Chris Brown does and you know maybe allegedly what Rihanna was doing in that relationship. I won't say like that was a totally healthy relationship on all sides. Like that was all fucked up for sure, right? But of all people in this situation, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this, Blueface has the most self-awareness to understand, like, yeah, this is entertainment. We're being gawked at, but while they're yeah. gawking, we're getting paper, all right? So, like, whatever is the real shit between us going on, and during this entire thing, Christian Rock was, like, laughing in the background, so, like, I got feelings about that that I want to express during this segment. But, like... <laughs> This is a game to a lot of media people and a lot of the people who like play this game and think that, oh, this is how I can get attention. This is how people will ultimately listen to my music and buy my tickets to uh, see my shows because we live in this perverse music industry where you like you have to be a character in order to be appreciated as a musician, which is super fucked up. But Christian Rock is just like, hey, man, <laughs> don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> And, like, I don't hate him for that opinion, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's shitty, but, like, Chris Brown, don't hate the player, hate the game. Right. And it, it comes back to my original analysis. If Chris Brown or, um, yeah, like, if Chris Brown doesn't have the ability to analyze the existence that he exists in like to understand where he is in this entire perspective then like fuck him <laughs> like he deserves exactly what's coming to him but um i will be on the side of let's let chris brown go let's let him you know move past this um experience in his life that he may want to regret totally once he shows some fucking remorse <laughs> once he's like oh i'm actually sorry about that not why won't y'all stop writing me about this because again the kevin hart example Kevin Hart made some bad joke a couple years ago, and his response to that still is, why are y'all still writing me about this? I apologize. Which is not, again, I've said some fucked up shit that I had to own up to, and my response is not, why do I still have to apologize? That's a very easy response to have, but the better response is to like, I fucked up a while ago, and because I'm a media person, people may interact with my content at different periods of time. So I have to own that fuck up for like a while. And yeah. hopefully through my future content, like the rest of the content I'm creating makes up for that fuck up. The fact that like, I'm showing like I am representing for these communities that I previously misunderstood or poorly um, like conveyed to an audience, right? Like I am doing work to make amends for the fuck-ups that I have done. Chris Brown Dan, and a lot least, of other people haven't you, done that. And Dan, at least you're not beating the shit out of Rihanna, so... I can safely say, like, again, as a man doing the Me Too movement, I have had to come, like, to terms with a lot of interactions I've had with women to, like, make sure they're, like, kosher and safe, all right? I can safely say I never beat the dog shit out of, like, any fucking person. I can safely say I can never lay... I've never, like, laid hands on a woman like that. To, like, beat her and bruise her to that degree, right? So, like, 
even that position of like a male feminist, as much as I cringe at the term, like understanding their place in this fucked up society. Never have I done something like that. And never have I said, oh fuck, me beating the dog shit out of a person was a 10 years ago. Can you please forgive me? Such horseshit. <laughs> I'm done. Like it's just such horseshit. And thankfully I nominated Chris Brown for the Notable Little Bitch Award. This definitely <laughs> would have gotten it for him, but he somehow did it earlier on the Robert Glasper thing. On Robert Glasper alone, he gets the Notable Little Bitch. But this is like It's like I've been wanting to give Drake the Notable Little Bitch for so long, and Chris Brown already this year is edging him out. Chris Brown is the favorite for Notable Little Bitch very easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only that, he is Up such here. a piece of shit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cooling myself down now. I'm sorry. Moving but, um, on. Yeah, moving on. Um, we also, I mean, completely unrelated, really, <laughs> to a largely better person. Um, we say rest in peace this week to Trugoy the Dove. Um, mm -hmm. Trugoy is yogurt backwards because that's the style of rap that he grew up in. But um, Trugoy the Dove... Um, AKA Dave Jude Jocleo from De La Soul, one of the foundational rap groups, period, end of, end of sentence, end of story. The people that like brought hip hop from like the 80s um, underground, hey, we're just looping some old jazz standards and like saying some poems and rhymes over it and saying street poetry, so to speak, until you turn into an actual thing and like an actual genre of music that like mm -hmm. gets its own category at the Grammys and like gets subcategorized as like trap and rap and gangster rap and hip hop and like all these other different things. Like it's not De La Soul only, of course, but De La Soul has to be one of the bands you think of when you think of this transformation of like the respect of rap music period as a Absolutely. genre and yeah he unfortunately he passed the age of um 54 i believe which is sad but unfortunately not surprising for a lot of um older black folks like again like older like above the age of like 40 fucking it's terrible um but yeah like a cause of death wasn't revealed but people have noted that um he had congestive heart failure a couple years ago and was like recovering from that and had yeah. to step back from the tour so again like this is this is just black folks talking like check check your shit just like eat healthy just like fucking m make sure you're on your doctor shit for your family right but like yeah he did notably he did not join de la soul's members um Poss and Maceo during the Grammys like tribute to hip hop where you had a lot of different like hip hop acts like performing their best songs to do like a big 50 years of hip hop kind of deal with the Grammys that we talked about. But mm -hmm. it's also really sad because uh, De La Soul had a very storied history around um, getting to stream their music even to like join the streaming era and they fought a lot with their record label partially because of samples they need to to make sure got clear but partially because the record label wasn't going to give de la soul their fair share for the music they were creating and so you know like david david jocleo passes in this context but um also as a gorillas fan i have to mention that like the laugh from Feel Good Inc. is Dave. 
one of the yep. main rappers from Feel Good Inc. is Dave. De La Soul ended up doing a couple more songs with Gorillaz, uh, Super Fast mm-hmm. Jellyfish and Moments, um, and even a couple of demos that never got released, actually, that mm-hmm. uh, De La Soul worked on with Gorillaz that have been like floating around the internet somewhere. So like, it's a really sad um, kind of thing that's happening, and... Um, definitely remember this guy for being one of the hidden pioneers of rap music. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I refuse to play moments right now because I'm I like anytime soon because I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, right. I, I absolutely no, cry. it's yeah. Even feel good ink like that. The the laugh especially has become like it, it's a thing. It's a characteristic part of the song, but um, when Gorillaz performed live, and De La Soul is essentially just toured with Gorillaz live because Gorillaz's biggest song, even surpassing Clint Eastwood, um, which we'll talk about in the audio face bonus to be released about Gorillaz, um, was Feel Good Inc. And it was that laugh that starts the beginning of the song live and that yeah. ends the song live that was all Dave. So um, rest in peace to the one of the goats. Um, and... With the outro to this um, episode, will probably be me, myself, and I, which is my favorite De La Soul yeah, song. Yeah, that's absolutely my favorite De La Soul song, too. One of the reasons why we became friends, because I was singing that, and you're like, what? And I go, yeah, like, who, who is this, like, white Mexican German kid singing Me, Myself, and I by De La Soul? <laughs> that, that's some shit right there. No, we love that. Um, and then... Yeah, uh, I will point out that Damon Albarn and Jamie Hewlett both both posted tributes to the artist. Uh, Jamie Hewlett posted some photographs and general photography that he had done of the, you know, of um, Dave as he had performed with Gorillas. Because not only did they do Feel Good Ink and Moments and Super Fast Jellyfish, but uh, as Gorillas is known for for doing like. 20 different versions of Clint Eastwood live. There's a De La Soul version of Clint Eastwood that's only performed live whenever De La Soul happens to be the only rappers in the band at the time when they're touring to do the songs. They always have to perform the song live, but for recent and other reasons, <laughs> um, Del the Funky Homo Sapien does not always perform with Gorillaz live. So De La mm-hmm. Soul were often, not just with Feel Good Inc., but with Clint Eastwood. They're Gorilla's biggest songs, uh, De La Soul would perform for live, especially. So, um, and Dave. So, rest in peace to the goat, one of the greatest to ever do it. And yeah, we'll. I, I really do want to play moments because it's like such a good song to encapsulate his life as well. But um, that laugh is just so it's memorable. I think I'll yeah. yeah, I'll end with me myself and I, or at least transition with feel gooding. But yeah, that's also really good. Um, moving on, I did the plugs already. We're going to do the next album review, which is, yeah, which is Skrillex's double release of, uh, Quest for Fire, which is 15 songs, 45 minutes long, and also Don't Get Too Close, which is 12 songs, 30, let's call it 33 and a half, 34 minutes long. Um, Skrillex has been one of the definitive artists of the electronic music space over the past decade, at least, definitely in the 2010s, having kind of been the official name of dubstep, for better or worse, and um, 
kind of has characterized a lot of the better, a lot of the worse um, aspects of 2010 electronic music. And so, like a lot of electronic music artists, their discography is a little bit wild. A lot of it is um, either singles that have been, you know, like one-off releases that make it into their DJ sets as they're constantly touring, or albums that are based off of their most popular singles that kind of feature remixes and, you know, even general mixes of some of their best songs. And so uh, with Quest for Fire and Don't Get Too Close, in addition to the music of this, which we'll definitely talk about in like less than 30 seconds, there's also a really deliberate like album rollout to this, double album rollout to this, where you saw Skrillex doing a lot of um, one-off, very quick live shows with mm-hmm. a number of artists who are also featured on here. Um, what is it? Fred again and Fortet, again. Yep. Uh, two major yep. ones who did shows, sold-out shows, sold out in minutes at Madison Square Garden to lead up to the release of this album. And they both feature on a number of songs on this, both records, so to speak. But... Um, Don't Get Too Close by Skrillex, and then um, the other record, Quest for Fire, was Mm -hmm. definitely very interesting for me to listen to, because I think you're seeing Skrillex, like, this is not dubstep insane, like, uh, murder your ears type of Skrillex. Very driver in your ear, and then twist it, and somehow call that dubstep, even though... That's not dubstep, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, this is really, really, um, this is some electronic music to sink your teeth into. I don't love it all. I don't hate it all, but, um, I'm really yeah, curious. Yeah, there's definitely, a, there, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of mediocre in this. So there's, I feel like Quest for Fire is actually a pretty decent record mm. with how it sounds. I really like for the Fred Again track. I like um, Butterflies of Fortet Stara. I like St- uh, Tears of Joker, Sleepnet, because he's actually putting in some like garage influences, some even like um, uh, um, some old school, like old, um, UK dubstep style, which is like the original style of dubstep, which is what I grew up listening to with Burial, Scream, and Mala, and a bunch of those guys, right? So he made a couple tracks that sound like I have those influences, and you can definitely hear that. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's actually trying to um, like change his sound a little bit and do that. And there's a lot of drum and bass influences. But I feel like the second record, um, we just don't get too close. That one is like just drum and bass the whole time. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's one way you do it. Um, but with Quest for Fire, I'm like, okay, there's actually a lot of good substance in here. It's definitely a bit all over the place with how it's done. And there's like tracks like Good Space, which I fucking hate. So there's little things like that where it's like, all right, that's just annoying um, robot video game beats <laughs> and stuff. But overall, I think it's a, actually a decent project. Um, but. I hate double albums. I hate how he did these double albums because they're two like completely separate things to where it's kind of annoying to get all the things that you want. I'm not a fan of all the features. Like I don't like the trippy red feature. I actually do not like the Sway Lee feature. Um, features, because there's multiple. 
Um, yeah, no, yeah, Shui Li yeah. features for sure. Because yeah, Shui Li and Wei Shremmerd are getting back into the 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 thick of things. And again, I have a lot of thoughts because I am personally preference to Ray Shremmerd um, in a lot of different reasons in a lot of different ways. But <laughs> I, we, the reason we had the meme Free Slim Jimmy was because that you wouldn't see a lot of Ray Shremmerd features. It would just be Shui Lee features, like on yeah. all the other things. So we were like, yo, Shui Lee is, Shui Lee is not, is not, not like just yet. period, is, is not. not without Slim Jimmy. And <laughs> Slim Jimmy is also like both of them, like, Sway Lee is a very mid uh, vocalist. I'm not even going to talk about rapping. And then uh, Slim Jimmy is a very mid rapper. Together, and we're not even going to talk about vocalists. They're, together, they are a phenomenal combination. But apart, they are both so boring <laughs> that like it just ain't worth a lick of damn. And so we always say free Slim Jimmy because like, hey, if you're going to do a Shway Lee collab, make it a Ray Shremmerd collab because neither of these artists can really hold it on their own. Right. Yeah. And it, I think it's a step in the right direction for Skrillex in the way yeah. that, you know, he's been around for a decade plus, right? Ever since his Scary Monsters, whatever the fuck that thing was in 2010 when that came out and just destroy dubstep forever and i'm never forgiving you for that yeah that's ever. true yeah. ever skrillex like, i am is, never i'm sorry but like, skrillex is believed to be the uh face of dubstep but like dubstep existed before no, skrillex. That's not dubstep. That's go, the off, whole point. go off sean go off it's like god damn it it was a it was a really hidden uk like centric thing with again my, my favorite edm artist scream he started with midnight request line which is these deep wubs and that was dubstep burial which made one of the best records ever electronic records ever and that was all dubstep and it was like going in this really cool direction of extremely experimental making sounds that you've never heard of with Khan, Mala, a bunch of other guys and just and then Skrillex comes along and just puts a screwdriver onto an audio tape twists it around and says here you go and just for some god knows why reason Americans are like oh inject that into my veins and then you end up with Dylan Francis and the entire EDM industry for the past I don't know 13 years so, not forgiving you for that, but these two records aren't half bad. Like, they're passable in it. There's still a lot of things I don't like in it. The amount of futures is a little ridiculous. Um, and, like, the cohesion with that is not great. There's some stuff that's boring. Like, don't get too close. I really don't like that much, but, yeah. So, let's, it, it, let's, let's break that down a little bit, because I think I agree and I disagree with you in a lot of different ways. I'll start with where I disagree with you. Um... Much like Paramore from a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. When I started the Skrillex record, I was like, I don't want to hear a Skrillex record, right? <laughs> like I Yeah, yeah, no, we both didn't. I, I want to hear Skrillex do you know the same expectation we have of all artists, which is like, okay, 
especially artists who have been around for more than five or especially seven or especially 10 years. Like, all right, you've been doing the damn thing for a while. Let's see you do something different. Let's see you actually grow as an artist and not just try to pander to the easiest or like lowest common denominator way you can pander to people, which is through nostalgia and through hey remember that moment where i was good i'm just gonna keep trying to recreate that moment for the rest of my career like no no that's it's horseshit we, we don't call that an audio face at any time whatsoever but no when i eventually listened to this album i was like okay this is definitely paired back from like the screwdriver in the ear dubstep type thing it takes a lot of uh cues from you know, hype but muted subgenres of um, EDM, like drum and bass, like Future House, like all these other different like things. And I think it utilizes them to a great extent. Again, like you have a lot of newer artists here and especially modern EDM, like post 2010s EDM has been a lot about, okay, there's the dj doing their thing but let's get like an actual talented vocalist to like uh do their thing on it and so you get remnants of that you have um pink panthers and trippy red on way back on yeah. get, get too close You have Corbin and Chief Keef. Showing up on Bad For Me, you have Justin Bieber on Don Tolliver on one of the more tolerable Justin Bieber tracks I've heard in a while on Don't Go. Like, um, and then a lot of these artists, again, like Shway Lee, I mentioned before, Justin Bieber, Don Tolliver, Blady, even on Ceremony, they appear on both albums. And these are, again, like Blady, Don Tolliver, I won't really say Shway Lee or Justin Bieber, but like, these are the modern crooners of our day. And they are performing very well on these tracks. And it's, again, not hard to perform well on an EDM track because all you have to do is like not be a shitty vocalist but um i think in combination with skrillex pairing back his more um yeah like screwdriver in the ear like really abrasive kind of style he's created something that like people can get into especially if they're more fans of the features than they are of skrillex which i think is going to be a lot of people here who are listening and that's gonna be many, most of people for sure yeah half i'd say like at least half but like more or less is definitely debatable 
But yeah, I mean, that's where an agreement is. I said it's a step in the right direction for him because there's some stuff in here that I, that I like. I get butterflies with Forte. I really like that track. So there's stuff in here where he shows, you know, a progression. Granted, it took almost a decade, really, to really show that. But, I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him in that way. You know, take your time, as was something that we always say on this podcast, right? I'd rather you take your time, release something good, than, you know, rush it and release an unfinished record, which we hear all the time and no, never ends up well. So... It's interesting to hear this and to now have a wider discussion, not not today, but another day of the state of electronic music, state of EDM, and see yeah. what direction we're kind of heading on. So especially with the artist as big as Skrillex is and how much press has been around this double record release, you know, and the reception of it. And reception so far has been pretty positive from what I've been reading on forums and online and a bunch of other people who, some people are fans, some people are not fans. And the general consensus is pretty much what we've said so far of like, you know, not great, not horrifying. So it's, you know, there's still, there's some good, there's definitely some, some stuff that's tolerable, some stuff that I, I like. And there's a lot of things in here that I'm like, yeah, not great. It's just kind of mid-level EDM, and there's only a, a few songs that I really dislike. So, um, But one thing I will always forever hate, double records. Dear God, it sucks, because to get it as a medium to get it out to fans and people to listen to, it's horrible, it sucks. You're going to miss half the damn record because of that, so you're not going to get it. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I listened to Skrillex record. They're like, oh, did you listen to all of it? They're like, what? And then the next thing you know, you get another second half. Like, oh, fuck, there's more. Oh, wait, yeah, there's I, more. I told know. Sean, like, oh, because I, I, I was listening to this for the first time, like, in the afternoon, evening, yesterday. And again, because, like, I, I wanted to listen to all the other things more. And so I moved right. Skrillex to last. And I was like, oh, fuck, Sean. FYI, this is two albums <laughs> that got released within a day of each other. And, like... We've talked about this. We did a whole year. I forget which year it was, but we reviewed a lot of different double album attempts, whether it was uh, double albums that had previously been released as regular albums yeah, before, 2020. which is like the 1975 example with Brief Inquiry to Notes in the Conditional Form, to the Foles example, where you had um, Everything That Is Not Save Will Be Lost, Part 1 and Part 2. It was a very deliberate double album. Um, mm -hmm. And we ultimately I, I, at least where I came down was that I would prefer the Foles method of like a deliberate double album of like, yes. this is part one, this is part two. We're going to release it within the same year so it all tours well together. But yeah. um, like these are a little bit different, but a little bit connected. And I think from a purely not even a music consumption perspective, but from like, a okay, I understand how the music industry works from a marketing perspective. I think Skrillex would have been better off releasing part one today and part two in the summer. Absolutely. I agree with that. Absolutely. Where it would have gotten better reception in that way and it would have been easier for people to consume and not just reviewers, but fans in general too. 
Yeah, because there, there's great songs on here. I mean, for every um, Warp Tour 2005 with Pete Wentz, kind <laughs> of like interlude track that you have, you also have like um, some great stuff. Like, off of Don't Get Too Close, uh, 3AM is, I think, one of the like bangers off of there featuring mm -hmm. um, Prentice and Anthony Green. Like, I think that's absolute like solid track uh you have selecta with beam and skrillex together it's really really good um these are some tracks like i would unironically listen to like skrillex or not and then of course you have fred again coming in with a number of different tracks but definitely rumble has been the popular one um yeah ratata with missy elliott and mr oizo has been also a big one that has been popped out in different places and then uh He's doing this big, like, Madison Square Garden rollout and stuff with uh, Fred again and also Fortet. And so Fortet's contributions on here are also very solid. Like, these are tracks that I would listen to unironically, um, again, with Fortet being butterflies, like you mentioned earlier. But, yeah, I, I think all artists need to realize that, like, no artist, not even the best artist, not even Beyonce. I would not tolerate a double album from Beyonce even at this point, right? Like, if you're going to release, I, I'm fully willing on Audio Face to accept the fact that, like, one's art or one's particular art project needs more than the 40 minutes that uh, modern pop alternative music generally requires. Totally fair. But you, if you're going to do that, you have to plan out that uh that rollout and make it something to where it is a cultural moment in the beginning of the year and the end of the year like it's something yeah, that feels relevant and feels possible because otherwise if you give us too much sauce even if it's some good ass sriracha like skrillex is, is it's gonna get missed yeah it, it, it's gonna get missed it's gonna get overblown like i don't again the numbers will definitely supersede what us as critics say but i think it would have been better done if quest for fire or the other hedgehog album as i'll call it don't get too close were released like one in the spring and one in the fall or one in the winter or one in the summer but like these are good songs give them the juice let them breathe let them like sit out there yeah. and get accepted into music culture before you release them out there um yeah that's definitely my thoughts from this album it, it, it's okay you get like yeah it's a star fuck for sure but in like a calvin harris kind of way i appreciate it because i think the artists are thoughtfully enough crafted together but yeah at the end of the day this the double release together creating what is essentially uh, 33 minutes with don't get too close and then quest for fire at 45 minutes you're getting an mm. hour and 10 minute album in 2022 that's trying to hide it as such which mm. i'm i'm not gonna like here but i agree yeah so arbitrary scale we do arbitrary scales every week on audio face because our review is our review we said how we felt about it you should trust how we felt about it and so rather than give you a ranking system like a lettering or a number grade we're going to tell you how we feel about it by ranking uh a new scale every week and this week is u.s rail companies so if you scroll down to uh the lower part of the article where it shows the largest mm. american rail companies oh, you'll see the yes. top 10 the top, the top six listed honestly and um 
we will rank these albums based on this. This is, I feel very comfortable giving this in a purely arbitrary scale audio face kind of fashion. I'm going to rank Skrillex's Quest for Fire and the double album release that came along with it, which is Don't Get Too Close, as the Norfolk Southern Railway <laughs> of the week. <laughs> it's, it's, it does the job. It's fine. But because of the constraints that have been placed upon it by themselves, they are producing the same amount of work, but worse. Um, Skrillex by releasing double albums, Norfolk Southern by batching trains together and um, understaffing them, creating chemical disasters in um, rural parts of America. So that's, uh, that's the way the news goes. This is a solid Amtrak for myself. <laughs> Serves Don't need to explain it. Amtrak is Amtrak. Do what you will. Listen, serves everyone. It's a, it's a pretty... It's fairly reliable. Gets you about everywhere. You just ha- kind of have to, like, swallow what the time will take you when you're going in. But, like, once you go in, like, they're not going to disappoint you. Don't be on the Amtrak Chatsworth in 2007. <laughs> I think Amtrak, must like, much like Skrillex, um, if you accept what you're going into when you go into it, You'll be you'll be satisfied. Yeah. Understand this is Skrillex, and if you will, if you want old Skrillex, you won't be satisfied. If you want new Skrillex, you also won't be satisfied. But if you want something yeah. in the middle, you will be very satisfied. I think. Hmm. Next album review we have. Um, next album review of the day. Serving up Gary's way. I'm definitely Bean. gonna need some more time because I am. Is a desire I want to turn into you. Thank God. By Caroline Polachek. It is 12 songs, 45 minutes long. Um, we reviewed, or we did a, a track off of Blood and Butter EP um, a few weeks ago um, before we actually got like fully into this record, um, yeah. just to kind of give an idea of it and everything. But overall, now, like when you get a sense of the whole idea and the whole premise of the, of the record, this is a phenomenal project yeah caroline polachek has released pang in 2019 so she's like starting to get out there this is really her second album Mm -hmm. release you know how we feel about second albums more on that later but yeah i really dug the ep rollout leading up to this um you had welcome to my island sunset billions my personal favorite bunny is a writer which you see as the third track on here mm-hmm. um a really good anthem and i'll continue like dropping it again it's a really good anthem for like being unowned <laughs> like being a person who does like not belong to anyone um like that 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 was a very good anthem for that kind of stuff and um yeah really stuck out to me that way but the overall album while in a typical indie fashion does feel kind of like discombobulated with a title like desire i want to turn to you um or um like any of the other like titles on it like fly to you or a crude drawing of an angel like 
it feels almost like a folk indie track, the way a lot uh, indie album, the way these things are titled. But what you really get is like a subversive indie rock pop record that is definitely going to be one of the ones to watch from this year overall because. Yeah, Caroline Polachek has a really good way of tapping into the best sounds of indie and spinning it into her own way using electronic elements, using traditional guitar, bass, etc. elements mm-hmm. without drawing either of them too much and without like, yeah, overstaying any of their welcomes. It's a really good mix. Yeah, it is. Like example, the the opening track of Welcome to My Island is My Island. See the palm trees. gets you an idea of what sound you're going to get with like a lot of different indie tropes along with experimenting with with the vocals with electronics with a bunch of stuff so you're not you know you're going to listen to a very unique project and a unique sound and you get that throughout the record it is like i think the only critique i have really is it is a little discombobulated as you said it is a little all over the place with some of the sounds where it's not necessarily super cohesive throughout the entire thing but overall it's good um like the opening welcome to my island pr- pr- pretty impo- pretty impossible and then bunny's a writer like they all flow well together but then like towards like the middle of it you get a little interesting with it like crew drawing of an angel i believe and then fly to you with grimes and ditto that's where it's like you get a little bit more experimental with it like fly to you is you know german bass for something that nobody else can see Will you still love me After the bend Remember what's gone before Now loaded with regret And that's something that we've been getting a lot this year And that's something I'm going to talk about more to say the music when we get to that point because I'm getting a lot of drum and bass inspired tracks this year so far um, and but I, I like it in the way that this one's done and I actually really like the features of it as well because that's the only track that has features um, which I was surprised I thought there was actually going to be more I thought like maybe Charlie XCX would hop on here because Caroline Polachek's been on a bunch of her projects and stuff throughout the year so I was kind they have, of they have good overlap and then like the most positive way possible yeah yeah, exactly. And then see her on there, and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, but You have Grimes and Dito on Fly to You. Yeah, that's, that, that's the only one. Um, towards like the end of the record, Blood and Butter, Hope Drunk, Ever Asking, this is now where you get the discombobulatedness because, you know, Blood and Butter, Blood and Butter, oh my god, Blood and Butter. Like, it starts off as, like, just, like, a standard indie track, and then it, like, 
kind of erupts into like drum and bass inspired and then it goes back to like this weird indie sound so that's like some things i wish were refined a little bit more with how it was but i mean that's just something you're going to get with more experimental music so and that's something that i'm not going to hold against just because of that um overall i really enjoyed it there's a lot of sounds with this. This record's gonna take me a while to really divulge and get into fully as well because there's just so much into it. I only got one good listen through, and I'm sad. I wish I had more time to get through a lot, a bit more, and everything. So, um, but oh, like overall, I I really enjoyed it a lot, and I'm glad that the state of indie and everything that we're getting a bit more experimentation like we're really starting to get more and more people trying to step out of their comfort zones we're getting out of this 90s centric themes and stuff and tropes that we've been getting for a while and now we're really getting into okay what is the new sound going to be what is the next thing now so yeah which i'm excited for and that's always what makes me you know what makes me get up in the morning <laughs> you know yeah it, it's exciting especially doing this is the first time we're doing audio face the beginning of a decade and so we get to really holy test shit our, yeah that's right yeah we, we get to really test ourselves as like okay i don't think we really I, I think in retrospect we kind of have an idea of like what the sounds the tens was but other than the yeah, fact well, that like absolutely. we hated a lot of it like it's you know, there's some neo-pop slash R&B over here. There's some electronic music over there. There's some trap music trap over right, over, here. Uh, right over in that corner. Like, there's a lot, and maybe we'll do that in our State of Music 2023 conversations, like kind of figure out, okay, in retrospect, what was the sound of the 2010s? Because I think we know it, but like we don't. We don't but now, you know, three, three years removed from the 2010s, yes. we have a good idea now. Yeah, but also... Of course, what we're always trying to do is figure out, okay, what is it, at bare minimum, what's the next year going to look like in music? Um, and yeah, beyond that. And so I am, Caroline Polachek is definitely one of those artists who I've had the pleasure of seeing like live in one context at least. And so, oh, yeah. And so I think that she is going to be like one of those indie people who like stays within that realm um over the next couple of years and i'm really excited to see what comes out of her because you know much like a mitski or a um you know i always compare mitski and mac demarco together because of that history but like she is one of those indie and also flirting with electronic music like she's one of those staples and i'm very happy to have one of those as um we get into this new decade because, yeah, you get a lot of people who just suck <laughs> and who aren't consistent and aren't really good. And Caroline Polachek, I found is the direct opposite of that. She is very consistent. She is very good. And the production that she surrounds herself with is pushing indie pop, indie rock, um, whatever sound she's trying to go for, it's pushing it forward. And it's something that's very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Arbitrary scale. Arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on audio faces. Our review is our review. We said what we said about it. We felt what we felt about it. And rather than give you an arbitrary ranking number or a letter grade, we're going to tell you how we feel using the ranking system that we change every single week, which this week will be U.S. Real Companies. <laughs> Why did I do this, man? Um, this week, I'm going to give this the old... Uh, I'm going to give Caroline Polachek the old... 
Union Pacific. Yep, good man. Good man. Good man. Good man. We're gonna We're gonna own the railways. You listen here. You listen here. HW, we're gonna own the railways. That way I could transport all the oil and do it. We're gonna strike a deal with Union Pacific. <laughs> you can convince Republicans of nationalizing um railways and other like major infrastructure as long as you convince them there's oil involved. <laughs> yeah, why why shouldn't the government own the oilways? And all the socialists are like yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. like, 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 looking both ways, like what? Left, right. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my God, we're actually gonna get away with this. Yes, it's Republicans. Like, oh. Yes, <laughs> you should feel empowered to take ownership over those railways. We're <laughs> just like, oh. wow, wow, we won. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Last Step three profit. <laughs> Step three question mark. Step four profit. Okay. Um. Really quick in the Twitch chat earlier. Hi Maha. Good to see you here. Um. Was saying. Uh. Yeah. The Skrillex Fred again and Fortet show was at Madison Square Garden was lit from what she saw. I wish oh, I was there. Sick. Yeah. I really. I mean, she didn't get to see it. Yeah. Um. But both of us. Um, at least both Maha and I, and also Ghost producer Kyle, and I'm I'm probably sure Sean as well. Wishes we should we could have seen that show. Yeah, absolutely. Bring bring the EDM heat to LA. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you on this podcast and tell you that LA music fans are good. I don't think I'm ever gonna convince any musician of that because um, if you know, you know, right? But, yeah, it's pretty uh, ass. But uh, feel free to come to Los Angeles because uh, the music critics will definitely enjoy a Fortet Skrillex uh, Fredigan show. I mean, I'm down. I I'm mean, down. Junior Junior Boys went hard in the paint. Is all I'm saying. So we're we're run out for the homies. Anyways, last Hollywood Dan over here. Last album review we have. Uh, Desire Pathway by Screaming Females. Ten songs, 33 minutes long. Screaming Females is one of those audio face picks I just had not really heard about. They are a band from uh, Joyzy, from New Jersey, um, who have been around for the past 10 years, which is... It's one of those funny audio face doing these show things where, like, when I say 10 years now, I have to be referring to the 2010s and not the aughts. I know. So, like, yeah. We're like, 10 years is way... AM is 10 years old. Shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, settle, settle is 10 years old. Shut up. So, um, Screaming Females has been around for at least 10 years since, of course, the album, since Sean just mentioned to age me a little bit. And <laughs> they've been making some really solid, like, hard alternative indie rock and I, I say all of those words deliberately because hard rock doesn't describe this indie rock doesn't no. describe this alternative rock doesn't describe this but if you put all those words together you will get something close to what you're getting from screaming females and once you turn on the first track brass bell uh you will get exactly what i'm talking about and you will be very blessed you will very <laughs> you will enjoy what you're getting into
this is one of those things yeah. where I'm like, hey, we need a audio face style like third album this week. I was skip listening to some of this. And I'm like, oh yeah, they've got the juice. <laughs> they've got the juice. I was enjoying they got that to dog. They got that yeah. dog in them. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. I love the opening track. Brass Bell goes hard. Perfect opening track to get it. And exactly, that's. I love how we like to make random categories here as genres because most genres don't make sense. But indie hard rock is a good way to explain this because it's not quite hard rock. It's a little too hard for indie alternatives. So, yeah. But I, I really like it. I love. The vocals are fantastic. I really like the instrumentation, the production, all of it, because it sound it sounds genuine. It sounds like throwbacky enough to something that I can really relate to and enjoy, but not so much that it feels dated in a way too with rock. But and again, like like I'm always partial to rock records in a way where I don't want it to be the same song over and over and over again, and you don't get that with this record, like. Brass Bell, Desert Train, that you go, you know, the opening track's a little bit faster paced with it to really, like, kind of suck you in. But then you get, like, um, you get a little bit different, like, but by uh, Beyond the Void and Morning Dove. And then especially towards like the end of the record and stuff, which I'll touch on in a second. But I really like how it's done. I like how it's paced. I like the I really like the production. And yeah, it's one of those records. It's fun. It's short in it too. So it's only 33 minutes long. So it's nothing that like you're not gonna grow tired of it halfway through or whatnot. Cause you know, it's short and sweet and concise to it, which is good. But this is one of the things I love about Audio Face, where we, like, you send me something I've never heard of before. I'm like, who the fuck is screaming females? Sorry, I just, uh, we can't listen to everything. We're too damn people. Um, but it's one of those just sleeper records where I go, oh, this is cool. Like, I've, I haven't, I haven't heard of this. And it's one of those gems that I love to get to because it's a surprise record. That's something that I will now listen to. Now I'll be like, oh, cool. Now I'm going to look out for them a little bit more. Like if I'm at a show, maybe they're opening up for somebody or they have something, I might, uh, now I'll go by because I'm like, cool, I want to see how that is. And now the other thing is I get to dive into their older discography and see now how mm-hmm. their sound has developed, how it's changed throughout the years. If it has, if it hasn't, um, this stuff. So, but overall, as a project, I like it. Um, I think my, maybe my only critique is, it is like a little monotone in some of the sound, especially in like the middle of the record here or there. But because of how short of a record it is, I'm not going to hold it necessarily against them in a way. Now, if they had an extra five or six songs and it was like like that, then I'd really have an issue with it. But because of how short it is, I like it. And like the last couple tracks, Solo, Let Me Into Your Heart, Titan, Slow It Down Enough. Um, well, Titan kind of brings back up, but at least Solo, Let You Into My Heart. down the record to where it paces it well on there but i would 
kind of made me move those a little bit around. Um, but I love how it, how it starts. I love how it ends. The middle, there's still a little lacking there. But overall, I really I enjoyed it. I really like Blast Spell a lot, by the way. I listen to that track quite a bit. <coughs> That's a good analysis of it overall because, yeah, I really like the beginning. <coughs> I felt the middle carried, and it wasn't like one of those like middle of an album where you felt like, okay, they're losing me here. No, no, no. <coughs> But, um, yeah, it definitely didn't have... Usually we define albums as top-heavy or bottom-heavy. Yeah. <clears throat> this was kind of both top and bottom-heavy, and the middle was kind of, like, lacking that extra-ness. The bre- like, it, it, was, it was damn good bread, and the meat was okay. <laughs> it was, um... It, it, it was, um... <clears throat> it was, like, the nature's own, like, multi-grain bread in between. And yeah. then, like... The off-brand vegan ham in the middle, like the oh. uh, the the Safeway brand, <laughs> the oh, Kroger brand. Right. You got some easy equal bread in between, yeah. and then you got that shit. So you're just like, I'm just gonna eat the bread, man. <laughs> bread and cheese. <laughs> on on that Kendrick, I remember back when syrup sandwiches. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <And> crumb allowances. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, with <clears throat> this record. Like Sean said, I'm going to be really excited to dig back into some of their other, like, more popular tracks. Like, I'm seeing on Spotify here, Ripe, um, Because the Night, I'll Make You Sorry, Wishing Well. Um, yeah, this is one of those bands where, like, I've discovered because we're doing a podcast and we need to fill a, th- a third category in the week. But they're really good overall. And so um, I'll definitely be interested in hearing more of their stuff. Definitely because you get towards the end. Um let me into your heart was a really good. I remember stepping back and like checking my phone, going like, "What's this song called?" Because I we we both look at penultimate um, album, uh, penultimate songs on records. Like, what's the second to last song? What's the last song? Mm-hmm. And we're all like, "Okay, is this really good? Does this really like sum up the project?" And I'm still sinking my teeth into the project as a whole. But damn, was "Let Me Into Your Heart" a really good song? Yeah. That's part. That's my second favorite uh, on the record. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's definitely worth checking out for sure. Um, they've got a really good sound in general, and yeah, let us know what you think in the comments of or the, you know the live streaming Twitch chat of what you think about <laughs> this record if you got the chance to listen to it and um, what your thoughts are. Anyways. Um, arbitrary skill this week we do arbitrary skills every week on audio face because our review is our review we told you how we felt about it if we gave you a ranking system like a letter or a number grade then that would just bite us back in the future so we give you an arbitrary skill that we change every week this week it is US Rail Companies <laughs> for, for, <coughs> for no reason whatsoever <coughs> absolutely no reason <coughs> I'm going to give the CSX god damn it I was going to say this is a solid CSX yeah, right, right. Like it's 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 middling. It's pretty good. Right. It's right there. It's yeah. nice and consistent. You haven't heard a lot of their derailment issues or their um blaming their workers for um corporate greed issues. So you know it's all good in the hood with them. Um, of course, except it's not because you know there's some there's a real company that's doing some fuck shit. Of course. Yeah, of course. Quick hits. Um, <laughs> Carl Muller would like to press sponsor the the audio face court report. <laughs> And so uh, we have a number of stories that have to do with the, the lore. So 
Uh, we'll begin with Playboy Cardi, who has been charged with felony aggravated assault, apparently by beating his pregnant girlfriend and choking her. Not a good look, Santa. <laughs> Not a good look, Santa. You got the XXS Tentacion Award over here. The alleged incident, a reading from Consequence of Sound, written by Alex Young, the alleged incident took um, place on the 20th of December, 2022. And along with felony aggravated assault, the 26-year-old rapper, whose government name is Jordan Terrell Carter, is charged with hindering a person from making an emergency telephone call, which implies (laughs) that after the beating, when um, Playboy Cardi's girlfriend was trying to call 911, that she... Playboy Cardi was allegedly trying to prevent that call from taking place, at least based on those charges. So I mean, he's he's gonna die lit. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I throw that switch quick. Give him the electric chair. No. Um, according to TMZ, Playboy Cardi's girlfriend told police that the couple got into an argument over a paternity test. What in the Maury Povich is this? Um, that, it's not TV, it's HBO. That um, argument over the paternity test then became physical. A third party reportedly intervened to break up the fight. Oh. And then when police arrived, they reported seeing visible injuries to the woman's back, neck, and chest. Wow. <sighs> I mean, if you listen to Rip, you know, there ain't no surprise. It, 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 it's a little too soon to invoke the chris brown rihanna situation um but no we'll we'll let that we'll let it marinate for a little bit (laughs) we'll let it marinate and then we'll invoke chris brown rihanna situation playboy or like the xxs tentacion award but more on that later playboy cardi was booked on the 29th of december and released on one hundred thousand dollars bond according to arrest records viewed by consequence of sound which we're reading from here again um in a statement playboy cardi's attorney said that quote his client was falsely accused and pursuant to my communications with the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, this case will be dismissed without any prosecution or litigation. Uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. This is, this is one of those we report, you decide kind of situations yeah. here on Audio Face. Um, we, we have reported as the news has reported out there as the allegations are, and we will see about this. But, um... Again, we've seen a lot of different sides in this. On the one hand, on the one hand, yeah, we did talk about, and in another segment you could check out on the YouTube channel or in the Syndicate Twenty Three Members content. Uh, become a Syndicate Twenty Three member at join.syndicate3.co or content.syndicate23.co. We talked about how um, Chris Brown's lack of remorse for the whole Rihanna situation. Even if Rihanna says, you know, like I forgive you, I apologize for the situation. It's like. There's the person you did it to, and then there's the actions that were done, and there is space to see, okay, after a while and after a number of actions that are reparative to that original um, transgression, we can start to um, like see this person has moved on and understood the error of their ways, versus Chris Brown, who, even in the Robert Glasper situation, was like... If you were offended, I'm sorry. It's sort of like removal from the uh, responsibility in the act, as though it's other people who are in their feelings and not the fault of the person who originally did the bad act that people are talking about. So um, Playboy Cardi has room to, I mean, 
you know, let, let's give him the room to not just apologize and say, if you were offended by the fact that I am alleged to have beaten a woman, sure, I'm sorry. But also to be like, okay, I'm in this situation. How can I show that I am as much of an ally to um, survivors of domestic abuse as I possibly can be, given that I'm in this situation? If we mm. see that, then I'm more willing to forgive Playboy Cardi for this particular scenario. Um, <clears throat> until then, uh, fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, other than that, we've also got the, uh, what have you done here, Sean? Um, <laughs> we have the top 10 most paid or highest paid entertainers in music. Um, Definitely a really interesting sort of like trick here. Super interesting. Yeah. And I think one of the more interesting aspects of this was that um, <clears throat> most of these artists were not even musicians. So, again, from Consequence of Sound, they're reporting the top 10 most paid musicians and artists. It turns out number one actually was a musician. It was Genesis, who made $230 million, at least minimum, off what of... What the fuck? Dude. That's some, that's some claps right there, because I didn't even know Genesis, Genesis? was touring. I definitely would have seen them if they were touring in 20... Like, actively touring in 2020. That's, like, so random that there's Genesis. What the hell? Man, God bless, right? Like... Probably just from uh, I can feel it in the air, which is a Phil Collins um, solo track. Just the royalties alone on that. I can see it, man. Um, below that was Sting. And that's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. <laughs> Never forget, uh, Sting. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um. Not at all a you know recent artist or an artist that a lot of people would relate to um sting of course being probably most famous for you know himself but also <laughs> <laughs> no like, absolutely. he outshines the police now steen is bigger than the police <laughs> fair but yeah also part of the police which I, I personally like more than sting individually um uh, me too Later on that list, you find Tyler Perry, which <laughs> he is lawyered the fuck up. So I'm not gonna say shit. We're not. We're, that was a Dan. That this is that's an animal we are not touching. That's a beast that stays I, there. I'm just gonna point to the Boondocks episode that's already been made, and it's like I'm just not gonna touch anything else other than that. <laughs> Number four, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who like uh, I, I whatever man. Number five, Our cocaine. Number five, like that's South Park. Trey Parker's the creator of South Park. Oh, tra oh, okay. There, there we go. Um, speaking of animated entertainers who are highly paid, James L. Brooks and Matt Groening, they are from The Simpsons, so naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt, that's sweet, sweet Scientology money at 100 million. And so James L. Brooks and Matt Groening are 105 million. Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are at 160 million. Uh, Tyler Perry is 175 million. Uh, number two at Sting is 210 million, and number one is Genesis with 230 million. So that's how we, we're going here. Number six, 
Definitely should have done this from bottom up, but like whatever, we're here. Uh, Brad Pitt at 100 million. Number seven, The Rolling Stones, just under Brad Pitt at 98 million. Number eight, James Cameron, just under The Rolling Stones at 95 million. Bro, imagine working 10 years on a movie and like you're not outpacing The Rolling Stones. Bruh, man. I mean, I mean, they have their own fucking magazine called The Rolling Stones. So that, that that movie was released in the end of the year, so maybe James Cameron got his paper up. Um, so yeah, James Cameron, fine. Get your bread up before your lead's up, man. All right. So uh, Taylor Swift just under James Cameron at ninety-five million, and notably, the only woman. Sean, I'm tapping uh. the brakes so hard right here. The only woman on this list. <laughs> uh at number nine with 92 million um even given the Ticketmaster stuff even given the you know everything that's going on with her yep. she's still only cracking number nine which is like it's rookie numbers but it's not taylor swift's fault you see this entire list and you're like sting Tyler Perry? <laughs> what? Like, uh, Brad Pitt? And then, the, and then the interesting one, Bad Bunny at number 10 at 88 million. So it shows that, like, it's interesting where, you know, the two biggest musical artists that we think of making the most, Taylor Swift and Bad Bunny, are 9 and 10 on this list, respectively. Yeah, yeah. They're on the top 10, but they are respectively at and the they bottom. And they did not break 100. Yeah. So... That, that's a really good point that, like, I think I was trying to get at, but, like, I was just kind of describing the thing is that, like, yeah, you have some people who are, like, you know, adjacent to the music industry, like Matt Groening. Like, The Simpsons has spawned a lot of cool mm-hmm. musical numbers and tributes. James Cameron, um, less so. Uh, yeah, The Rolling Stones, they've been around for a minute. Sting and The Police have been around for a minute. Tyler Perry... For legal reasons, I can't touch that much more in commentary so, other than how I just did. But um, yeah, to me, especially like, to us as music people, to us who like just paid attention to the Grammys and all that stuff, like Taylor Swift and Bad Bunny should be much higher on this list, at least cracking the 100 mil mark. And Absolutely. we are ultimately like picking hairs between like, oh, wow, who's slightly richer than the other and ultimately. Elsewhere on the network, we have Power Report, where this is really not a problem to be exist with. Fuck them all. But it, it, I think it's because we don't do too many music business worldwide slim pickings stories. Um, this is a very interesting one to show that, like, no, no, your favorite artist like, and music as a whole is still comparatively a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of these other industries. And while, sure, like... You have the Marvel normies who, like, show up for movies and film altogether. I definitely think that, like, by the fact that you have Genesis and Sting so high at, like, number one and number two, like, by a country mile, like... That's uh, crazy. Everyone else, like, other than, like, Matt Groening and James L. Brooks and below are all within the $100 million territory. Everyone else is stratospherically past that. Like, they're breaking the charts on here. So that, that, that is to say that, like, I think musicians, like, and music culture overall, like, when you take away the monetary value of it from, like, you know, the Spotify streams and all the fucked up things we talk about how yeah. the music industry makes money, music yeah. is the most relevant part of culture i think arguably even more than movies because it's much more accessible and more than tv because tv like you know it's such a 
ever-present thing that you it needs to stick out with certain shows like a Breaking Bad or of uh, The Sopranos or uh, a a. a um, Glass Onion, like like those shows, The Last of Us, they need to stick out and branch out. Whereas we're able to do a show every single week about new shit all the time. And so music has such a powerful place in culture for being constantly fresh, constantly new, constantly changing the cycle. But this is just another example of how overall, again, it's hard to tell because like these people are like getting paid the, literally the most money of the entire thing. But I think music is not fully recognized or compensated the way it truly represents in culture. And I think that's a good foundation to have on audio face in general when we're talking about like, okay, who are the, what are we talking about in this space? But also like, who are the musicians who are really making a difference? Yeah. yeah so sh- shout out mm. to them. I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Lastly, since we are doing allegedly quick hits, um, Live Nation has uh, their antitrust lawsuit essentially thrown out. And this is a really important one because uh, there was a Live Nation and Ticketmaster suit that was being tossed at yeah, both those companies by federal courts saying that, uh, saying that essentially they were engaging in illegal practices and deceptive practices. But it turns out... <laughs> Thanks to all y'all simps who check that I agree to the terms of use contracts yep. every time you buy tickets, yep. you've been fucked. <laughs> and that just yep. go- that just goes to show what these like big corporate lawyers like. This is what the big bus get you <laughs> because yeah. they knew Give like million lawyers. I mean, they they get their job done. This is the long game because they knew that like okay, technically what we're doing is this company is kind of fucked and so the way we're going to get around this is to prevent people from suing us and so if you want to engage with this company you have to check this box that says you agree to our fucked up terms and so yeah that's a deal there was a proposed class action lawsuit on behalf of quoting the um uh legal paperwork hundreds of thousands if not millions of purchasers um, end quote, whose ticket buying experience had allegedly been ruined by Live Nation, who was considered to be a quote unquote monster that must be stopped. Which, you know, quote unquote notwithstanding yeah. is, you know, fair, balanced, and unafraid, at least from this podcast. But yeah, the appeal was heard by the U.S. Ninth Circuit and saying that, quote, at three independent stages, when creating an account, when signing into an account, and when completing a purchase, both Ticketmaster and Live Nation webpage users are presented with a confirmation button, above which is text. That text informs the users that by clicking on this button, you agree to their terms of use, which means that their terms of use mean in more, you know, day-to-day terms this company can fuck you over with fees with um whatever they want yeah anything they want to because as long as they mention it in that terms of service and as long as you are in a rush to click agree and click accept along with your credit card information and your payment information and your government name in that uh Never mind the fact that these companies put 10-minute timers and force you to, like, read these documents at an unreasonable speed, which I think would be a fair legal, like, counter-argument or, like, a counter-case um, to propose in court. Um, you, you all have, all of us as music consumers have 10 minutes to review these terms and decide that we're okay with them. And whether we're okay with them or not, if we want to go to these shows, we have, have to, to accept it. them. 
Otherwise, we don't get the tickets, and they get forfeited to the next person who won't pause. Not, not even read. Just won't pause the same way that maybe an audio face listener might when reading these terms and conditions. And so, like, yo, this is what the money. This is what those lawyers and this is what those money pays for. Like, they foresee these situations, and so they're able to say that, like, um. Even despite the botched handling of Tara, Taylor Swift's Eras tour, um, it will likely face the same stumbling block in that, hey, I'm sorry if you feel it's unfair. These are the rules, and you accept the terms of service. <laughs> so right. the next step is to, I mean, present within a legal framework to the government that giving people 10 minutes to accept these terms of service and also enter in their credit card information and also like go without their go throughout their days as they're like getting these concert tickets is unreasonable to accept such terms that are like such like giving away so many of your rights and your abilities to like counter sue in case of like um mistreatment and not only are these things present in like every single terms and conditions contract that we like blindly sign on to on the internet but um this is how Live Nation and Ticketmaster have been working since they merged in 2010. And so if you want to change it, you're going to have to alert the government and alert regulators in the yeah. EU and the United States of this exact thing. that They force you under a time limit to check this box of terms and conditions that basically sign away your rights to retaliate against Live Nation or Ticketmaster for the fucked up shit that we all know they do. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> Last quick hit. I promise we did on the fun note, and yes, this will be quick, even though this has been one of the longer audio face episodes in a minute, is that uh, Drake and 21 Savage have settled their lawsuit over their fake Vogue cover. Now, um, when 21 Savage and Drake revealed her loss, one of the top rap trap albums of the year, not just um, said by other people, but also said by us on audio face, they did a fake album rollout or like a real album rollout that was also fake that was based on fake magazine appearances and you know press appearances that i definitely appreciated but definitely the lawyers of a lot of these um outlets didn't appreciate it and so vogue was like hey you did like a fake vogue cover that wasn't actually ours so we're gonna sue you Drake and 21 are like, okay, we got that smoke because we're rich celebrities and we got that paper. Um, <laughs> I think 21 Savage appeared on a song that was said, uh, million dollar lawyer blank, can't wait to dismiss him. Blank. Yeah, so they lawyered up and the end result is that Drake and 21 Savage and Vogue have and Condé Nast, which is the parent company of Vogue, have all agreed to settle for undisclosed terms over that promotional use of her loss. Um, so, essentially, the Drake's thinly, like, yeah. But that's basically kind of like all we have from this. Um, NPR and Howard Stern, who are also parodied in this album rollout had fun with the fact that like drake and 21 made a fake npr tiny desk and they made a fake like howard stern podcast interview about this whole thing Funny. and so there, there are definitely two ways to go about it but yeah definitely conde nas decided hey we don't like the way our magazine is being portrayed and so we're gonna sue but they settled because that's ultimately how it goes so um yeah that's a, a nice like sort of ending to that um 
prop most likely <laughs> if i'm to speculate here drake and 21 handed conde nas some um legal fees and extra paper that they weren't expecting to get beforehand so god bless on them either way uh drake and 21 savage definitely made more than that money in the album sales and tour promotion around her loss so it's really vogue and conde nast's loss than anyone else's absolutely and this has been audio face thank you very much for joining live and um listening uh live unafraid <laughs> uh you can find us on Twitter at AudioFacePod, on Instagram at AudioFacePod, on TikTok at AudioFacePod. We're going to be doing some brand new, never-before-seen um, AudioFace content that doesn't look like a regular podcast, that also doesn't look like anything else you've ever seen before in the music space that we're really excited to do. And you can also check us out um, in the past episodes in the archive that you can see for at least a year um, past if you're a free member, or further than that, if you join at content.syndicate23.com. Co. Next week we're going to be off Even though it is a Gorillaz episode I have the Gorillaz shirt on right now um, We pre-recorded a Gorillaz bonus That I'll be releasing before our actual review Of the newest Gorillaz record Seaward Island And before we enter into March Which in addition to having A number of phenomenal album releases From some of the best artists out there That Sean and I are definitely going to enjoy We'll also be doing our annual State of Music 2023 conversation. We'll talk about, as the music experts, I can confidently say Sean and I are, how the music world is going and where the music world will go into the future based on our esteemed perspectives. Um, I can be found on Twitter and Twitch at Dan from the Web, on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Dan from the Internet, youtube.com slash Dan from the Internet. And Sean can be found if we trust you at SW Swallows on Instagram and Twitter. I think yes, I did all the plugs. Nice. Good. Audience. Thank you very much for listening and watching. Song. Sean, thank you very much for joining. Um, I, I'm going to end the podcast now while I am ahead. Thank you very much for watching all and cheers. <laughs> They diss my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he states black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. Just keep on up with the nuts so I don't get an aftermath. But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in the fourth day of July. Cause they try to mess with third degree, that's me, myself, and I.
Contestant number four, do you have the answers? Uh, I saw the tip of my tongue. I, I, I just, just can't think of it. 